Welcome, welcome, beautiful souls, to another captivating episode of Frame and Flow, Creating, Connecting, and Neurodiversity. I'm your host, Annalise Page, and today we're about to embark on a chromatic adventure, pun, 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 exploring the fascinating world of color psychology in portrait photography. So get ready to be inspired, amused, and discover the true power of hues. As a portrait photographer, I have always been captivated by the way colors can evoke emotions and create a specific mood in photographs. And today we're going to float into this vibrant topic, all while keeping the conversation happen because we all know I can't stay on topic, let's be honest. And also, if you are neurodivergent, ADHD, TBI, probably having a hell of a time sitting through and even listening to me talk this much. So here we go. Let's paint the canvas of our minds with an array of hues and hues of good vibes, my dudes. So to help us unravel the magic of colors, I've gathered some enlightening quotes from artists who understand the importance of color and evoking feelings. And let's begin with a quote from the brilliant Vincent Van Gogh, who said, and here's the quote, instead of trying to reproduce exactly what I see before me, I make more arbitrary use of color to express myself more forcefully. And isn't that just fascinating? Honestly, like colors not only reflect what we see, but also can express our innermost thoughts and emotions. I'm really going to try to say her name right. Yayoi Kusama or Kusama Yayoi. Uh, please pardon my pronunciation. She said, color is my day long obsession, joy and torment. Oh my God, seriously, the torment of joy of color is something we can all relate to as artists, photographers and lovers of creativity. It's that everlasting pursuit to capture the essence of a moment, a feeling, and being able to channel it through the lens of color. I feel this. It seems my everyday struggle around colors, getting the correct white balance for the images I'm creating, balancing the wardrobe of my clients to make sure that their colors vibe together. And if you've spent any time with me, you'll also hear me bemoan my struggle with white balance. Random fact, I have uh, tiny cataracts in my eyes and I see things a little more blue. So I don't know if you see my photography is most likely to you a little bit too warm, a little bit too yellow. Um, And that's because I'm hashtag overcompensating. This is how color affects me. And my goal is to be so great at white balance, just like Nick Page photography is, that I can look at a picture and be like, oh, no, that's too yellow. Oh, that's too blue. Oh, that's too green. Oh, that's too magenta. I want to have that super ninja white balance power. And also because I've never actually taken an art class or a photography class, um, everything I learned, I learned for free on the internet or because I live with uh, Nick Page and he picks apart my stuff. Bless him for that. So I'm kind of learning as I go. And I really encourage you all to do the same, honestly. Because when we can learn and surround ourselves with the things that we struggle with, we get better at it. Now, I'm going to share a personal story about the power of color in my own photography. So every Halloween, I get the honor and pleasure of working with professional makeup artists at The Nest at True Salon. This is here in town, Walla Walla. Every year, these queens freaking bring it. And it's better and better each year, I swear. And last year, well, the first year we did it, I think we had a child dressed up like Pennywise the Clown, and I hadn't really had a grasp on using gels in photography, but I was really trying to evoke that evil, creepy clown vibe. Uh, We may or may not have made some children at the park cry. That's how good they are (laughs) at their FX makeup magic. 
last year I had the pleasure of capturing portraits of their gargoyles. Like they, you know, that uh, 90s TV show gargoyles. That's the vibe that we did. And oh my God, dude, it was so cool. We photographed in front of a stone church in town and the whole crew pitched in to create some truly epic costuming. And when I say epic, I'm not talking about just some face paint. I'm talking latex molds, wings, handmade costuming and freaking wings, my dude. Freaking wings. To truly depict the passion, energy, and hellish vibes, I really decided to play with a lot of warm tones, so blazing reds and fiery, feisty oranges. And I used gels to rim light the gargoyles and aimed another flash with a gel over the top to light up the background, all contrasty and evil-looking. And then I had my big Chabowski gridded softbox with, uh, without any gels to light their faces. As I watched them growl and crouch and snarl, the colors seemed to ignite this like bad vibe repelling power, infusing the image with burning intensity. I'm still trying to figure out how show notes work. So bear with me as I figure out what the hell I'm doing with my life. But I guess I'll just add like a link. Somebody tell me how to add show notes, but I'll show you the picture I'm talking about. And it really was a magical moment that reminds me of the power color can hold in capturing emotions. And I'm still trying trying to, like I said, I'm still trying to figure out what show notes are, but somehow I'm going to show you the picture, goddammit, and you're going to love it. And you're going to see that collaboration made the color dream come to life. And it's not about just the colors we choose. It's about how we combine them to create a captivating impact. Y'all know Picasso. His first name is Pablo. And he said, colors like features follow the changes of the emotions. And isn't that true? Just as the emotions can change and evolve, so can the colors that we use to convey them. So basically, it's like a symphony where the notes of colors dance and intertwine and give birth to the visual symphony of feelings. Now we're going to get practical, which is something I really do. So uh, enjoy this. <laughs> How can we apply color psychology to our own art and photography? So here are a few tips and tricks. First things first, we got to consider the mood you want to create in your portraits. So warm tones like red, orange, and yellow can evoke vibes like energy and passion and excitement, while cool blues and greens kind of bring a sense of calm and tranquility and introspection. And if you've ever struggled with what colors to choose, go ahead and hop on the internet and look up a color wheel. Just type into the Googs color wheel image on the internet and boom it'll help you also if you don't know how to use a color wheel you just keep listening and i'll kind of explain it to you but i'm not really good at explaining this but like just beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop that was me airdropping you the information from my brain to your brain did you get it did you get it <laughs> secondly you gotta take into account the personalities and preferences of your subjects Colors can reflect the unique qualities and enhance their natural beauty. So as a redhead, you would never see me in the color tomato red because then I would look sunburnt all the time. While I am a very vivacious and passionate person, maybe you, the person who wanted to put me in red could put me in like, I don't know, brick red or like uh, orangey red. You know, it's important to see your subjects and like make sure that the colors match them. Otherwise, you're just going to like make it look all gross. Don't be afraid to collaborate with your subjects and explore their favorite colors. I always ask my clients, like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? These are not bot questions, like questions to make sure you're not a robot. These are questions because I want to actually know and I want to know how to incorporate that into your photo session. Ask them their favorite color, unless their favorite color is cyan, because fuck cyan, honestly. Just fuck all the way off cyan. It's always important to remember to embrace that experimentation. Step out of your comfort zone and play with unexpected color combinations. Break free from the traditional, my friends. If you learn nothing 
from these podcast episodes, I hope the main thing you take away is that you can break free from the traditions. Let your creativity soar. When it comes to color and portrait photography, it's easy to fall into the trap of using like the same tried and true color palettes and sticking to conventional norms. Totally get it. Like if you're having a bad brain day, do what you know works. But if you're having the extra capacity to be creative, like do it. However, by embracing experimentation and venturing into uncharted territory, you really do get to open yourself up to a world of exciting possibilities. Mixing unexpected color combinations can result in striking, unique portraits that really, truly stand out. Another way to embrace experimentation is by exploring unconventional color harmonies. So instead of relying solely on complementary colors, consider triadic or analogous color schemes. Triadic colors, uh, for the record, are the three colors that are evenly spaced around the color wheel, such as purple, orange, and green, uh, all colors that look great on my body. Um, combining these hues in a portrait can really create a harmonious and balanced visual impact that's both captivating and unexpected. Analogous colors, on the other hand, are colors that are like adjacent to each other on the color wheel. So like blue, blue, green, and green. Those would be analogous. Utilizing analogous colors can really evoke a sense of unity and cohesion, resulting in portraits where the subject seamlessly blends with their surroundings, creating a visually immersive experience. Embrace that monochrome vibe, my dude. Monochrome is in. I mean, didn't you see the Barbie movie? It's not even out yet, but like monochrome, 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 monochrome. I freaking love it. And also remember that experimentation is not about blindly throwing random colors together. It's about exploring, pushing boundaries, and discovering new ways to express yourself and your subjects. By embracing experimentation, you give yourself the freedom to play with colors and create portraits that are truly one of a kind. And again, if you take nothing from these podcast episodes, I hope you can learn that being unique and being one of a kind is the best way. And by embracing your own unique eyes and your own unique vibes, you get to stand out and people that stand out get noticed and people that get noticed, you know, get successful. At least this is how my brain works. As we come to the end of this colorful episode, I have a couple of calls of action for y'all. First, I really am encouraging you to jump into the world of color psychology and discover the vast palette of emotions it offers. Take a moment to reflect on the colors that resonate with you and explore how you can incorporate them into your own photography. And secondly, I invite you to share your favorite color-inspired portraits with me on the socials. Tag me at Annalise Page Photography and let's create vibrant gallery of emotions and connect through the language of color. That's all for today, my fellow artists. I hope this episode has sparked your curiosity and inspired you to infuse your photography with the power of color psychology. Remember that every color has a story to tell. And as a portrait photographer, it is our privilege to capture these stories with our lenses. So until next time, keep creating, keep connecting, and let the colors guide your flow. God, I hope he adds an echo to that. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. This episode is dedicated to my friend Justin Zephyrisi, who always encouraged me to pursue my goals as a professional photographer and forever was helping me hone my white balance skills. His most recent message to me said, and this is a quote, watching you progress as a photographer has really been a real experience for me. Amazing. You started off so bad. That restaurant shoot, lol, end quote. He's referring to the very first food photography I ever did, which was in hindsight, pretty f***ing atrocious. 
And we all need someone who supports our goals and helps us grow. And Justin was such a good friend that way. He made sure to weave in the cosmos whenever he could. Justin, I love you and you will be so deeply missed and embarrassed to the core, blushing to your hair. If you knew that I was dedicating this to you because you're Shesh and Australian, you're so independent. This one's for you, mate. Just want to say something real quick. If you're struggling, it's okay to share your feelings. And if you don't know where to start, you can call. Or if that gives you massive anxiety, you can also chat via text message. Just send a text to 988 and there will be professionals there to help you non-judgmentally. And it's important to reach out and ask for help if you need it. And as long as you have the phone, you can call the number and talk to someone. There's no minimum age and you can receive support at any time, even on holidays. And whether you're thinking about unaliving yourself or not, you can get emotional support. And there are people here to help you. So I'm at the University of Glasgow's website and I want to talk about unaliving ourselves. Henry Shelford, chairperson and co-founder of ADHD UK, said that recent research shows that adults with ADHD are five times more likely than those without to have attempted to unalive themselves. So 14% versus 2.7%. And that rises to one in four women with ADHD. It's really important that we must learn about the link between ADHD and unaliving yourself. And this research is an important, essential part of learning. As a person who has struggled in the past with unaliving thoughts, I want to be kind of forward and honest and build awareness that individuals with ADHD are much more likely to follow through on those impulsive behaviors. And if you feel like you can't go on, it's okay to ask for help. And it's definitely okay to talk to somebody about it. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to say when you're reaching out for help, Here's a few options. You can reach out and say like, hey, when you get a chance, can you contact me? I'm feeling really alone and um, like I may want to unalive myself and could really use some support. You can also contact a loved one and say, hey, I want to live, but I don't know how. And I'm really hoping that maybe you can help. Another thing you can say is this is really hard for me to say, but I'm having some painful thoughts and it might help to talk. Are you available? You can also check in and say, I'm struggling right now and just need someone to talk to. Can we chat? Okay to connect with people you trust. It's definitely okay to talk to someone if you want to unalive yourself. I hope that you know that you are loved, you are important, and that anyone can call the lifeline. Whether they're thinking about unaliving themselves or not, sometimes it's nice to get anonymous emotional support. And there's no minimum age and you can receive support at any time, 24-7, 365, even on holidays. If you don't have a phone, you can go to the library and use theirs. Uh, if you don't have access to the internet, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast, but reach out to me. If you don't know what happens when you call one of these hotlines, uh, I know that people with ADHD often have anxiety and they may want to know how to handle things. And so in many cases, the first voice you hear on the helpline may be an automated one. It kind of tells you to stay on the line until a worker is available. Uh, but in other cases, the messages may offer you additional support. So um, you can switch languages. People speak all the languages on these hotlines. So again, just to let you know, you can text or call 988 in the United States. 
If you are worldwide, just go to theactionalliance.org and they will help you. There are people here to help you. You are loved. You are valued. You are incredible. And I believe in you. 